Welcome to the Vision for the Valley podcast. I am your host, Joseph Velarde. In this podcast, we will discover the gym that is the Lehigh Valley and learn from people from all walks of life. Well, welcome to another episode of the Vision for the Valley podcast. I'm uh, so honored and excited to have my good buddy, Kevin Dunlap, with us today. And well, the thing we're doing with this podcast over the COVID season and now a lot of the racial upheaval that we've experienced as a, as a country and a nation is really um, going to voices outside of just the Lehigh Valley. And there's three reasons I want to do that. One is I think it's important for us to learn from perspectives outside of our immediate context. Two, uh, these people, these individuals have shaped my vision for the valley. And, and so I think it's important for you to be able to hear from them. And the third is there's just a lot of questions I have about life and leadership. And I think it'd be selfish not to hit the record button and share it with you. <laughs> so I'm excited today to have my friend, <coughs> excuse me, Kevin with us today. Kevin, tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. Hey, uh, first of all, it's great to be on here. One thing I love about Joe Velarde is his laugh. Um, he's got probably one of the most infectious laughs. Uh, so anytime we get to have coffee or lunch or now just be on a video, uh, I get a chance to hear that and, and uh, it brightens my mm. day. But um, I am on staff here at Westridge Church. We're in um, a little town called Dallas, Georgia, which is just outside of Atlanta. Um, I serve uh, overseeing our church planning and church multiplication. So I get to work with a lot of guys like you, Joseph, uh, around the country that we call partners not planners. And um, so it's been a crazy journey that, that uh, we've been on. Um, this August, will, I'll be 13 years on staff, been here for 20 years. Um, here, married to my wife, Stephanie, for 31 years this past week. And uh, we've got four crazy kids that are adults and living outside the house. So we're loving the empty nester life right now. Um, and yeah, I, I grew up in the business world and God's crazy sense of humor called me into the church world. Um, 13 years ago. So it's been a wild ride that I wouldn't trade for anything. Um, so the fact that we're on the phone talking, a guy that grew up in Smyrna just down the street from here, um, and we connected over the years, it's a joy uh, to get to know you and your wife and to, to watch Ray grow through social media. Um, it's mm. been pretty cool as well. Um, so thanks for inviting me on. Obviously, nobody else could make it. So uh, <laughs> no man hey kevin you're such a gift to so many and really appreciate you coming on today and it's awesome to hear even a bit about your story so back up a little bit tell us what you were doing in the business community first and then even how you got to west ridge yeah and it grew up uh, i'm from ohio so we're kind of rivals over there on the that might tune a lot of your lehigh valley folks off uh quickly but anyhow um I grew up in a disaster restoration space, uh, insurance claims, insurance restoration. Uh, that's what my dad did. That's what I did. And um, ended up doing a doing a partnership uh, with the Allstate and Home Depot way back in 96. And um, so it was kind of an integrated business. And uh, Home Depot hired me to come do that for them, really business development. Um, and so in 2001, we moved to Georgia. Um, didn't know a soul down here and uh, started... Um, uh, started traveling around the country. Um, and really what I do in church work is not that much different than what I did in business development. And, and really biz dev is you're going into clients, big customers like GE or Dow or DuPont, um, finding what their needs are, right? How they operate versus how they think they operate and then developing solutions to help them. 
And really that's what we get to do with church planners around the country is um, as they go into new context and a new environments like the Lehigh Valley, you got to become a student of, of that area and understand what the needs are and the challenges are in order to better serve them. And so I get the opportunity to, to uh, hang that. But anyhow, I would have, uh, I was doing that, loved it. And um, was serving with our high school pastor who planted a church in Baltimore several years ago. You, you know Ellis Prince or know of him. And um, my wife and I were having dinner at his house, um, thinking that he was going to be asking us to help him support his church plant. And he um, he leaned over the table and he just said, "Listen, I'd I'd like for you to come be my executive pastor." And I did two things. I laughed at him, um, and then I heard God in my spirit just say, "Don't say no." So that started. Steph and I on the journey of, of entertaining the thought of leaving the corporate world and coming on staff at a church. And we, we, uh, we journeyed up there a couple times with Ellis and his wife, Ginger, and we knew better than to tell God no, but we just didn't have a piece about it. So we just said, not now. And so when, um, in that process, when Brian Bloy, the founding pastor, the lead pastor here at Westridge, who uh, we've been here since for 20 years now, when he heard that I was entertaining even the thought of leaving Home Depot, he said, hey, listen, if you tell Ellis no, um, that's talk. And so we did. And like I say, August 1st will be 13 years that I left uh, left uh, THD and came on staff here. Yeah, it's been awesome to even hear how those those two worlds have uh, collided. Um, your, your past experience and then where you currently are doing. And I see that come up again and again in our conversations. And it's such a gift because it's really being able to determine um, what you value as an organization, as a church, um, and then what the reality is as well. And even finding that unique um, calling that, that has been placed on the church's life. But I think that speaks to even your own journey. Uh, you've discovered, obviously, from your own experiences, like watching uh, the corporate world and the church world, but even saying, hey, what am I been wired up for? What have I been called to? Not telling God no, <laughs> but yeah. also saying, God, what are, what are you saying in the midst of that? So can you walk us through, you often talk about the unique nature of churches and what they have and what they're trying to go after. Can you talk to us about how to process that? Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, I think it's, I, I, get, I get the unique opportunity to serve um, kind of two camps. One are new church plants that are that are um, getting ready to birth, and so there's there's now a, a formalized process to help them. But I meet so many leaders that have been um, that had planted, started their churches five years, ten years, fifteen years ago, and and really nobody took them through that. They just operated in faith, which is great. Um, but they're they're now trying to become better students of their community, and so. One of the tools that, that we use actually is there's a book that uh, uh, Will Mancini wrote called Church Unique. And I love the elements of it. And, and the fact that he talks about a kingdom concept, meaning you, as you come into a, the community, right? It's got to start with calling though. Um, you and I know this better than anything. Um, if God didn't call you to the Lehigh Valley, it's not if, but when the going gets tough, you, you and Amy would have left a long time ago, right? So you're called and committed to that. And, and mm -hmm. apart from yeah. calling, um, that's, that's a single most ingredient. And then from there, you, you got to identify your community and really understand it. And so many people go into it with, with numbers, you know, they'll get mm. demographic study and they'll get um, what all the socioeconomic uh, structure looks like. 
but they don't become a student of their community. Um, if you were a missionary going into a foreign land, you would spend the first couple of years just trying to figure out how things operate. Mm-hmm. So we've got to do that in our communities. And the hard part is we kind of become nose blind too. And the fact mm. that um, we went through, we walked through the kingdom concept 17 years after Westridge started. It's, it'll be 24 years, uh, 23 years this, this uh, September. And the community that we're in looks a lot different now than it did 23 years ago. Mm-hmm. So you've always, you got to be revisiting that every once in a while to say, okay, what are the needs? And, and, you know, it, it, it even ties into a little bit of the racial conversation. Um, yeah. It was a, it was a fairly homogenous community when Brian mm-hmm. planted here 24 years ago, when I moved here 20 years ago, um, 23 years ago, sorry for Brian, mm-hmm. but um, you know, the, the community, like most communities, they've changed. <laughs> And so we, as a, I'm kind of jumping ahead of, of kind of your, your earlier comment, yeah. but hey, no, keep going, man. But but we've we've had to become a student of that and say, listen, if if our staff, if our worship team, if our eldership doesn't reflect the community, we're going to become less relevant. And so mm. that doesn't happen overnight, mm. and it doesn't happen without effort. I mean, you've got to lean into those conversations, and we've got to learn and understand things that we that the way I grew up as a Midwestern guy. Italian, you know, Irish Midwestern guy from Ohio going to Roman Catholic Church, um, you know, that's not here. And and so mm-hmm. um, I've got biases, I've got I've got perceptions um, that were developed over the past fifty six years that mm-hmm. I've got to try to understand and expand that. And you and you can only do that through proximity with others that yeah. don't look and act and feel like you, right? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. but um, all of so that good. is part of that context piece. So. You know, Mancini talks about what's your local predicament, meaning what's the uniqueness of the area that God's called you to. Mm-hmm. And then he talks about what's your collective potential, meaning what's the unique gifting. And that's not just facilities. In fact, there's many church planners out there today that don't have a facility because schools are shut down and things of that nature. And the church, we say it, the church has never been about a building or it should have mm-hmm. never been about a building. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. But there is there there's people that have the, the gift to help educate, help develop leaders, help train. Um, they just have the heart for uh, meeting the needs of people in their community. And, and so those two things, the uniqueness of your community and your, your unique gifting. And then the third element is what's the heart of the leader? In other words, what's, what's God, what's God spoke to Joe and Amy about the difference to make there in the Lehigh Valley. Right. Mm, and so yeah. that right there creates the uniqueness of your church, of River Band and its campuses. And each mm-hmm. one of your campuses is a little different because your environment's a little bit different. Right. Mm, and so mm. what what we get the opportunity to do is to take leaders that have that are starting out <laughs> fresh and help them blow that out. Right. Mm. So that it, the strategy becomes clear as they move forward. Um, I think for leaders that have never gone through or never really done that heavy lifting. Um, it's, it's fun to help walk through that with them and their teams. Um, and then what, how, allow God to reveal in them and to them, man, here's something that I've been missing the whole time. Right. Yeah. And, and the good thing is it's not too late. Mm-hmm. We all have the chance to learn and to grow in that and to adjust to that because too many people, too many times people start out with vision and with strategy before they understand the true needs of their community. Mm, what, or the, mm. the true makeup of their community. <clears throat> and, and so it, that'd be, you know, putting it into a, into a business context, it'd be like walking in the door to a customer with a solution that they really don't need. 
Mm. Even though it might be a great solution, it doesn't fit them well, right? And so, so um, that's that's critical. But apart from, if it doesn't start with calling, um, yeah. that's got to be the number one thing to start to wrestle with and, and yeah. figure out where are you called to and who are you called to. Yeah, and I, and I think what's really important, and the reason I wanted you to hear from Kevin Beyond, I just really like Kevin, and I think he's a great leader, is <clears throat> this conversation's often not talked about. And so what can happen is in our lives, so whether you are a church planner, pastor, um, a business leader, a leader in your home, you can get so caught up in definitions of success mm. that are specifically catered to an individual or an organization, but may not be what you are specifically called to, the, the people you're called to, the context, uh, mm-hmm. the, the uniquenesses that make your community what they are. And I think one of the dangers is we can spend our wills trying to be something we're never intended to be. And we miss out and we start, and, I, and I'm so guilty of this at times, start with vision and I'm, I'm a high vision guy and yes, like I love it. But if you don't know the reality of what's going on, if you don't hear from people, if you don't have a context, um, a contextualization of the culture in the context that you're going to, you can start really answering questions people aren't asking and solving problems that they don't have. And we're seeing that really play out. And I love how Kevin said that in this racial reconciliation conversation, because we all have a preconceived idea of what the other's saying. We have a limited perspective. We even our understanding of American history has been so mm-hmm. skewed based or on biblical we, history or biblical history, right? Like both in, right? Like we, we sometimes are like, we don't even know where someone's coming from. And, and until we allow ourselves the time to deep dive and to become a student. And I, and I love to say this about my wife, Amy, I, I love to be a student of her. I want to be a mm-hmm. student of her because there's things I'm learning still about her after we've been married for 16 years because she's changing, growing things. I just don't pick up on because I'm in my own world doing my thing and, and I'll notice something. And I'm like, wow, that really meant a lot to you. And can, can you help me understand what that, that meant? Yeah. She doesn't always like for me to ask a million, million questions. <laughs> she's the introvert in our, in our marriage. But I, you know, I, I want to understand what, what's going on. And I think in the same way, we need to do that. We need to become students yeah. of ourselves First of all, and I love how you said mm-hmm. that. This is about our calling. What are we called to? Um, the, the context that we're going to in the community as well. Um, we, need to, we need to study it um, because as we study it, it makes us aware. And that awareness awakens us to yeah. see what it is that we're intended to see. And it changes the way we pray, right? Like if I know something that's going on as I study it, it's going to make me pray. And as I pray, because I'm aware it will awaken me to opportunities that I wouldn't have necessarily seen prior to being awakened to that. And I think that uniqueness, I don't know. I, I think one of the, the dangers right now is we, we've got so much focus on carbon copy and comparison yeah. instead of Absolutely. celebrating our, our well, uniquenesses. Yeah. For so long, you know, in, in most churches, even though, they, many of them say we're about this, but there's two metrics that churches have used for years and years and years, and it's nickels and noses, right? How many, yeah. how many people came through the doors on a Sunday mm-hmm. and how much money came in the offering plate? And yeah. even though they, they say we're about this or they say that we're about that, um, 
that's that's how many lead pastors judge success for themselves, mm-hmm. right? And it and it's 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 hard um, because even when you get into the church world, as you know, and you get into a you get into a conference room or something like that, you start to size people up based off of hey, how big's your church? Doesn't mean you're making disciples. It means that you can draw a crowd or not draw a crowd, right? You yep. may or may not be making disciples. Um, and so even, you know, you, I think you, when you first reached out to me, you had talked about what are you learning from, from a COVID response, yes. you know, uh, yeah. impact. Yeah, yeah. And I was in preparing for today. One of the things I was thinking about is, you know, we have clearly said that the, that the church hasn't stopped. Obviously our building has stopped being used. Um, but we, we knew that there are people in need in our community and there were, it also was putting people at risk for them to bring food here and us distribute it and hand it out. That's actually, it, it, it's, um, it, it, we were looking at what's a better way. And so we mm-hmm. just said, okay, let's ask people, do you need help? Yeah. Or do you want to help? Right. And if you need help, tell us what you need. If you want to help, just let us know. And are you mm-hmm. willing to go buy and distribute? What was amazing, first of all, we, we broke those, those, um, the request down by high school. So what we did mm. is we tried to take the, the church and now make it smaller. So community yeah. responded to the needs in the community. And we serve about seven different high schools here, just at, at this campus, just because of the way our geography is. And so, first of all, it was amazing. Secondly, we found that the responses were two to one people wanting to help versus people needed help. Yeah. So we had double the people wanting to serve. And um, ever since that, that took off, just being able to release families to go serve another family, and we didn't have to be involved. All we were were, were the brokers on it, right? Mm-hmm. Joe and Amy needed help. Let's get Kevin and Stephanie to go help them. And, and they took it. And, and we're getting reports back on how families put their food on the wrong doorstep and, you know, by accident, right? Because it and so the family that received it took it in. So we be, you know, made them aware of it while the family went back and served and got them double what they got them the first time. Right. Oh, wow. Um, and, and even, you know, it, we talk about the heart of a leader and Brian, you know, models this, right? Everything trickles mm-hmm. down. Um, mm-hmm. He and Amy took the database of all of our senior adults, um, those that, uh, you know, that are over a certain age range and they went and bought flowers and, bought, you know, decorated some, some faces and they just drove to their doorstep, put them on the door, rang the doorbell and step, step back, you know, 10 feet from there and, mm-hmm. you know, prayed with them, talked with them, spent a few minutes with them and just the, you know, the tears and just people realizing that, A, they were valued and B, they weren't forgotten. Right. Yeah. And, and when you talk about serving your community, that's a simple little gesture. Yeah. And right now, a lot of people had time um, where people responded um, in an overwhelming fashion as a result of that, right? And that's going back to how do you continuously become a student of what's happening in your community and not looking through mm-hmm. the same lens? And some of that, you need to bring in people that don't act or think like Joe Velarde or act yeah. or think like Kevin Dunlap, right? Um, mm-hmm. bring, bring, the, bring those that are introverts, bring those that are extroverts, um, bring those that with crazy ideas at times and allow them mm-hmm. to speak into the conversation. Yeah, that's so, so good. And, and I think even letting you know as you again unpack that unique opportunity based off the uniquenesses that make you who you are and that and where you are right and and what's within the heart of the leader right and i love i love how you said that because 
the full measure and expression of that, often uh, we say, oh, it's just like kind of a leader will we'll, um, express that. But the full measure of that actually is what you said before. It's when the diversity around him, uh, introvert, extrovert, mm-hmm. varying perspectives, backgrounds, uh, ethnic backgrounds, all these things are going to inform how you're going to be able to effectively live that out and yeah. what you've uniquely been been charged with. And I think when we're too, again, quick to let somebody else measure the definition of success for us versus what Jesus has called us to, I think we start um, constantly living at a place of shame. And I don't know, I just, lately I've been thinking about kind of the underbelly of evangelicalism. Mm-hmm. And this is, I won't get on a soapbox too much here, but I, one of the things I'm realizing is how much um, we have made success exactly what you said, nickels and noses at all. We'll use language like at all cost, mm-hmm. at all costs. And I'm like, well, is that what Jesus said? Or is it at doing exactly what Jesus asked us to do? Like according to his measure of what he's asking. And I get the, the idea. And, and I'm one of those guys that's a go getter and I'll, you know, there's a wall, I'll walk through it, you know, I'll break through it. Mm-hmm. But, but I think it's gotta be more than that because then what happens is when they try to go after that success, and they start to struggle with whether it's inner attitudes, uh, actions, um, and they fail and they fall, we end up shooting them when they're down. And, yeah. and we have this like ugly, it's just ugly how the sausage is made. I, I, that's what I've been thinking about lately. We, we have this definition of success and, and so much. So if you're not do, hitting that, then you're a failure. But then when you hit it at all costs, even when it's detrimental to your overall health and the health of those around you, it can lead, it can really lead to um, a place of, of, Hey, you're, you're on the ground and people are still shooting at you as you're, as you're down. And it's like this monster that we've created and, and not that I'm, you know, me and, and I know you well, Kevin, we're for working hard. This is not what we're saying. Yeah, we're yeah. saying, Hey, let's let Jesus set the course here though. Let's let him set how we work and rest. You well, know? you got, yeah, it's, it's, that, um, if you're not walking slowly, yeah. Sometimes you you got to be able to you know you got to be able to let the woman touch your hem of your garment garment right that you know yeah. and Jesus and he was walking obviously and yeah. stopped and it's like who touched me um, yeah. he was on a mission to go take care of something right but but walked at a pace where where people could could be in proximity to him and so um, hmm. you know now that most people live in our kind of our cul-de-sac communities depending on what part of the country you live in. Um, yeah we become more and more insulated. And unless we even, we allow ourselves to be proximate with people that don't, that aren't like us, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, whether it's socioeconomic, racially, um, religiously, any of that stuff, right? Um, how do we help, how do we put ourselves in environments? My wife and I, there's a, there's a two mm-hmm. couples that we hang out with um, regularly, we just had actually both of them over for dinner differently this past week, and both of them were brought up just totally apart from any type of of, of God and faith. Um, mm-hmm. And sometimes they're rough to be around, mm-hmm. but that's what I want to continue to be exposed and engaged with people like that mm-hmm. because that's the reality of our world out there. There's a brokenness out there, and yeah. um, we we just we want to be salt and light to them. We want to love them. We love them as they are, but we also share them with them the truth of the gospel, right? And how that changes lives. Um, and, you know, our prayer, um, it, it's, the, you know, in the SBC world, it's the who's your one, right? And there's two yeah. couples that, that 
um, that specifically we call out by name that, uh, that we we're expecting one day that they'll put their faith and trust in Christ. So we're looking forward to that. So anyhow. Yeah. So Kevin, as I think about this idea of success and, and the specific uniquenesses of the call, uh, the context, the people you're going to, um, what's in, within the leader, all those things. One of the things I find fascinating is the Westridge story. <laughs> um, and here, here's why, because people won't understand this fully, but when this church was started, which was about 23 years ago, is that right? 23 years, yeah. Yes. Um, it, was in, it was in a small community um, that was growing, uh, but it was not, uh, and you know, it's not one of those what you would call major cities. Um, and yet that journey to discover you guys' own uniquenesses, uh, can you walk us through that a little yeah, bit? Like, yeah. Because you know, I think it's I, important I'm gonna to take, hear. I'm going to take two angles on there um, yeah. and, and try to be concise for you all. But it was 23 years ago in Dallas, Georgia, which is about a um, 25-minute drive from Atlanta, uh, just west of Marietta. And um, it was Paulding County. Everything here in Georgia is county-based, not city-based. So in mm-hmm. Paulding County, it was the sixth fastest growing county in the country. So bedroom community growing rapidly. Um, planted in 97, September 97. So pause that for a second. In, in January of 2001, when my wife and I moved from Ohio down here, um, we just we were right across the line in Cobb County, which is a fast growing county where you grew up, where you were born. Yeah, that's um, right. And we left an amazing church in Toledo. And mm-hmm. so when we came down here, we found a church up the street. And after we, were, we joined it right away, uh, joined a Sunday school class. Pastor was awesome communicator. After six weeks of being there, they still introduced us as a guest every week in Sunday school. Um, and I'm a pretty big personality, right? I mean, you, you and I, know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not that meek. Um, and so we just, we realized very clearly that that, that isn't the, that isn't the church that, that's really wanting to engage people. They were happy with their holy huddle. So um, that same night or the, the, the um, couple nights later, Westridge actually canvassed our neighborhood with USA Today. So they handed out a USA Today to every, every house in the neighborhood. And there was a little, little flyer in there. So we went and visited that next Sunday and obviously have, ne- have never left. But um, I say the, those two stories because when Brian planted and uh, Brian, Paul, Steve, and, and Dave came down, the four guys that planted the church together, um, it was traditional church in the South, but no one very few people were doing any type of contemporary church back then you were, you know, you would have called it contemporary, but number two, very few churches were concerned with people outside the walls of the church. They were doing everything that they were doing to keep the people inside their church. Right. Mm-hmm. And so much of the success of Westridge was they went out and shared the gospel with people mm-hmm. and they invited them to not only just to the church, but they invited them to events that served the community where the gospel was also shared. We did, we used to do a country Western jamboree and we did a, a, a dinner in December, which was like a dinner theater type of environment. And this is all in the high school. We were portable for eight years um, in, in elementary and then high school right around the corner. But even then um, we donated, uh, I forgot how big 75 ton air conditioning for this, for the gymnasium of the high school around the corner so that we had air conditioning on Sunday and we gifted it to them when we left. Um, and this was back before high schools put AC in their gym. So uh, mm. East Balding was the first high school to have air conditioning in the county. I think maybe even in the state. I don't know that for sure. But but um, 
so it, it, even though a book like we were just talking about, Church Unique, was not around back then, mm-hmm. Brian and leadership, and we, start, we were doing what is emulated in that book. We were under, becoming students of the community and then saying, how do we best serve that community based off of the needs? And some of it's not just needs. Some of it's, we, we knew that the average drive time uh, for Paulding County to Atlanta was 35 miles. Well, that means people are in their car for an hour, hour and a half going to work, hour, an hour and a half coming home from work. They don't have time to come to a church then and do a, a Sunday night or a Wednesday night service. Um, so we started off with a small group model, not because we were against Sunday school, but we knew people didn't have time. If you're telling them to be a good husband, be a good wife, be a good father or mother, right? Work out, be, you know, play with your kids, do all those types of things. Um, there's just no, there's no time for that. And so what would it look like for groups of people to meet together in homes, to open God's word, to pray together, and to work through discipleship together? Mm. Um, so that's becoming a student of your community yeah. and developing a solution um, to help accomplish the mission based off of that. So good. So, so good. So yeah, we, we've, um, and then, so it, it, it has grown. And, but early on, uh, within three years in, um, you know, Brian planted the church. It was a church plant and um, he was getting, getting coached on and you need to be involved in church planning again. You know, today we talk about reproduction all the time in church planning. That wasn't yeah. the case back then. Um, yeah. So what does it look like for us to be generous and be involved in helping more and more churches start? And so it started out initially just giving money and then leaning into and doing internships and, and has evolved since then um, of helping reproduce churches, uh, you know, in our kind of, we talk about our community and our country and in our world is, uh, is our value on that. And there, yeah. And you guys are incredible partners and I just love, I just love the heart of even you guys living out what we've been talking about. Like, I feel that you guys really do that. Well, like Brian knows who he is and what God's called him to. And he, you guys follow the, follow the leading of Jesus in that. And you're so generous and you're an incredible partner to us and so many others as well. And as I think about, even what's going on in, in that context, in that community. I wanted to, to get your thoughts on um, two things. Um, one is I wanted to get your thoughts on what you would recommend uh, churches who are looking at uh, moving forward with this COVID-19 uh, piece and, and organizations, meaning what steps, because you guys have done a great job. Um, I've been on so many emails, um, which have been really helpful, not by the way, just to clarify, uh, but really, really helpful uh, emails. And um, in the midst of that, um, you guys have really started to think through what you're learning through COVID-19, but specifically, what does it mean to, to effectively reopen? And one of the things I've appreciated, uh, and when I say reopen, I want to clarify, the church was never closed. We don't believe that either today, um, but we are talking about reopening our buildings. Sure. Um, so, uh, and, and really, I, I was impressed with the scaling up model and approach. Can you just walk us through, yeah. even as leaders are thinking through that and sure. and, and what it, they should consider? You know, I think the conversation is, um, uh, has evolved, right? When we first, when, when everything first started, we talked, hey, how do we stabilize our people, right? We wanted, right. Not, not unique to us, many churches have done it, but we called every person that's on our roster, right? Every, mm-hmm. Anybody that's visited Westridge over the past X amount of years, um, we called them just to say, hey, we love you. How you doing? How can we pray for you? 
They didn't. Yeah. Um, and then, and then from there, uh, we get, we like the number one concern was financial. So we offered some financial courses and some just little FAQs, right? That's responding to the needs of the community. Yeah. But, um, and obviously getting people in groups, um, nobody is a big fan of zoom anymore. <laughs> I think everybody zoomed out, but, um, getting uh getting people connected virtually was essential right we already had a good online presence but right now we're saying in fact i was in a meeting just before i left it early to come jump on this um we are taking our approach and every context has to be different right you got to evaluate that based off of if, if things that are happening in detroit and, and boston and baltimore and dc and i don't know what it's like in the lehigh valley down here outside the perimeter in Georgia is a, is much different than inside the perimeter. So the perimeter goes around Atlanta for your folks that, that aren't familiar with that. Um, and out here it's, it's looser. Um, restaurants are full now. Uh, people are eating outside. People are eating inside, socially distanced, all that kind of stuff. Um, so we were talking this morning, apart from what's happening, obviously as a result of George Floyd and, and, um, mm -hmm. It, from from a uh, with a blackout Tuesday today, but apart from that, you could go in and out of your Home Depots and your restaurants pretty pretty easily outside the perimeter. So that's our context. And in that, we're saying we originally said we do we don't want to come back together until families can can come and kids can be in their own space and and yeah. things of that nature. And we've had to retract a little bit on that because we don't know what that's going to look like moving forward. Yeah. Um, so we did say, hey, we're going to we're going to start over the course of about six weeks and and um, start to come back with our staff and um, come back then with our staff and like our elders and, and their families and then open it up to large group leaders and uh, and coaches and then open it up to bigger teams. So take your concentric circle that you have. Right. Whatever that is. Oh. And then out here becomes everybody. And so yeah. we're actually um, you know going to be. Uh, sharing some of that that uh, out this Wednesday tomorrow to um, okay. to our people. So hopefully this won't air before tomorrow. <laughs> um, it won't. It won't. I okay. I more just wanted it to hear. An yeah, honor. yeah. Yeah. No. Whatever. Yeah. Whatever you so, feel comfortable sharing. Yeah. yeah so um, middle of July is our plans to be open. Yeah. And all of this, you know, there's an asterisk with any of this stuff. I think people would be foolish if they didn't. Um, it's all based off of if there's a change from our governor or if there's a change, you know, either opening things up more or tightening things up because of a, a you know, rapid reoccurrence, um, we need to be able to adjust to that. But yeah. we're talking about, this allows us to walk through it and to make the experience um, as good as possible for everybody. Right. Oh, um, you know, there was that good. graphic that there was that graphic that came up on. I think every pastor in the country shared it last <laughs> Sunday. Of, you know, people think you should it. have opened up yeah. six weeks ago to people saying until there's a vaccine, don't open up. Right. And there's everybody in between. Uh, my wife ran, was in the grocery store yesterday and there was a lady that basically just read her the riot act that we're not open yet. And hmm. she's just shook her head and gracefully said, you know, I'll share your information. Um, but this allows us to what we think as far as flow that makes sense doesn't always make sense right and so this allows us a safe environment with the kind of the smaller circle of people and then opening that up to to everybody so we'll be starting um the uh the 5th of july uh, i'm sorry the the 20 uh in two weeks we'll be starting with with just staff 
and then roll out July 12th with, uh, with everybody. Um, yeah. not having, not having kids, uh, you know, preschool or elementary services, there'll be, it'll be family worship and family, family gathering. Yeah. Are you guys doing anything different with the, the style of service? Like are there yeah, dynamics? Yeah, we, yeah, we're dialed, you know, even online and here, I think here's the other thing we're, we're not abandoning a focused online presence. You know, we've, Thanks. we've engaged people that don't live here, don't live by us. So shame on us if, if we abandon that. Yeah, that's right. So, you know, our, our live service will be also, um, you know, digital too, so that uh, we'll try to keep it down to 50 minutes total. You know, it'll ebb and flow anywhere from 45 to, to 60, but we try to keep it around 50. Um, we change the order of it a little bit, understanding mm. the online, um, the, the, the dynamics of, of uh, what the numbers tell you, how long people stay on. So, um, that's a little bit of a change. And then obviously environmentally, um, one of the things that goes back to being a student, we're seeing more and more people when they go out to a restaurant, want to sit outside and not inside here mm. in Georgia. And I saw this in, uh, in South Carolina a couple of weeks ago. Um, and so we're actually, we're working on doing a tent, uh, an open air tent, um, service to an option so that people can oh, come wow. in and sit outside in the tent or they can sit inside the worship center. We're also, we've got a couple of little theaters that, that normally house around 250 people. Um, since we're not doing kids church, those theaters are open. So we're also creating some smaller venues for people want, our, our seating is normally a 2000 seat auditorium, but some people just don't feel comfortable walking into that, right? Um, even things like most of our guest services folks will have masks. In fact, our guest services team today They'll have masks on. And even though most people don't wear it, as we talk about even the conversation of um, racial reconciliation, um, when, you, when you go into to the Lowe's or Home Depot's or you go into restaurants or you go into Target's or other stores, most of our African-American brothers and sisters are wearing masks. Oh, that's right. Here in Georgia, mm. um, many of our, you know, of our white brothers and sisters mm. are not. And while we want to be sensitive to that, and so we, we realized we, you, you know, you could take it off, but you can't put it on if you, if you needed it from that perspective, right? So um, our, our guest services team will have, be wearing masks um, as they're engaging people, mm. right? You know, all of our staff guest services team. Um, and that's out of a sensitivity to everybody's processing this different. And so mm. how do we help um, not exclude people? Yeah. And, so you, you really, you've got to walk through every aspect of that. And it takes a number of different iterations before you land on your final yeah. product right there. And I was going to say too, like this tent uh, piece, like with this out, you guys are just going to stream the service to, to that area and those other yeah. areas too, right? Yes. Okay. Yep. Yeah. It's really so cool. It's, you know, it's digital, but it's, you're in an No, 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 no. I think it's, I mean, that's, I was wondering how you guys are doing it because yeah. I was reading through what you sent over and I was like, man, this is so good. I sent it right yeah. away to our elders. So I was, <laughs> nah, and I said, don't share this, but I, I mean, you know, you could read it. I yeah. 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 So it's, it's yeah. so good, man. Um, but yeah, as, as we think about that for ourselves, guys, I, I think it's, you know, leaders across the board. Uh, being understanding of the the reality and the tension point that we're all feeling. Um, I think the other thing is just to take into account how others are perceiving it and what they're experiencing and to do it with care and to, to really 
think through those different scenarios and I know it can be tiring. Yeah. But I've got a number people, of partners that are open yeah. now they're doing kids church. Um, but their context is different. Um, their yes. environment's different and it's not, you know, there's no manual out there. Right. right. And we're trying to steward facilities. We're trying to steward people's health, but we're also trying to steward relationships. Um, and so we're learning some things in the process. In fact, today, walking around the building, um, there's a, you know, a plumbing manufacturer that's here because we're, we're saying, okay, did we move all of our toilets and laboratory faucets and soap dispensers to touchless, right? And that's, a, that's, that's not a cheap thing to do, but does it go back to our value and, and how does that play into it? So. So good, man. Well, I was going to also, as we think about the unique context and what we're seeing, your church um, has been on a, quite a journey of working through um, racial reconciliation and issues of justice. And so I, yeah. I wanted to, to get just glean some insights. Clearly, um, we're in the middle of nothing. Um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't call it new. <laughs> so I would, I would uh, you know, it's been a culmination of years yeah. um, uh, of, of personal and systemic racism. Um, and yet in the midst of it, I feel like there's so much that um, we can learn and really take action on. And I just wanted to hear what you guys have, have done in that arena and that area. Well, it, when we opened up talking about understanding our community, um, it was probably been 10 years now, Brian, yeah. Lloyd, looked at our every year in, in August we commission our elders they they uh, and um he looked up there and he just realized it's you know a it's too white our community yeah. isn't isn't homogenous our community is mixed asian african-american uh hispanic um prior to the um to the housing crash in 2008 uh, paulding county was the fastest growing hispanic market in the country now that wow. changed after the housing market crash but but um all that to be said is it it's different than what was reflective on the stage. And so he made a comment, again, it's almost 10 years ago, said that if we don't do something now, we're going to be irrelevant to our community. And so for the, we've been on that journey for the past 10 years um, to, and you, you, you just can't snap your fingers, right? If you're not in proximity, if you're not in relationship, it's hard to develop those things, right? If you're, if you're not starting that. So, um, we looked at our eldership and over the past several years, our eldership has, has the, the diversity in there um, has changed quite a bit, which is great. Um, Cause we're learning things in those tense, intense conversations that we would have never learned or been exposed to. Mm-hmm. It was a bunch of middle-aged white guys. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so in our, in our elders, on our staff and on our stage. Um, mm-hmm. So we're constantly looking at some, the questions are who can we, who do we know? Who can we engage? Who can be part of that? Um, every year we, uh, we go through a series of books as an elder team, as a, as a lead team and as staff. And this past year, um, Dr. Tony Evans' book called Oneness Embraced. Mm. It's probably been, I don't know if you've ever read that, but, but for anybody that's listening, especially in today's, um, today's climate, that is an amazing book to read. It is a very difficult book to read for mm. somebody that grew up the way that I did. Um, and, and my kids, um, you know, my, my youngest daughter's been dating a guy for five years. That's, that's, uh, African-American. Um, so proximity wise, I work with a lot of church planners. Um, I, a lot of the kids that, that are, that are over at our house are now white. 
but at the end of the day, I'm still processing it through a 56 year old lens that grew up in the Midwest. Um, and so this book has really exposed, um, some of those biases that we've had in, in, in Christendom. Right. And so, uh, I, in fact, I posted on Facebook yesterday, Dr. Evans, uh, just had kind of a response to all that's going on. It's about Mm. 15 minutes. It's an amazing, amazing uh, talk, but that, that book, we didn't just read it. We took it a chapter at a time or a couple chapters at a time over the course of a year. So every once a month, our staff would walk through that, that chapter or two chapters. We would have facilitated discussion by the lead team at each table. And this is honest, open conversation. Um, we would invite some of our African-American pastor brothers to come and help do some facilitated conversation, mm. right? Because just from a leadership perspective, it wasn't, we, it wasn't well represented. Um, and so what that's done, it's stretched us. Um, you know, think of this. How many times have you heard teaching on Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch? And mm. how many times does it end? They end, they end that teaching with, Philip being transported, right? Teleported, right? How often have you heard people teaching about that Ethiopian eunuch, you know, went back and, and as a believer Mm. was critical in the evangelization of the continent right there. Right. Mm. That, that's just, that's, that's a non-traditional mindset, but unless Mm. you're starting to, to um, be exposed to conversations like that. And so, we took our elders, we took our lead team, we took our staff through that book. And mm. it's really helped um, create dialogue and create awareness. I was mm. on a call um, last, uh, last week with the Boston planners, with uh, David Butler and, and Sen Boston. And, yeah. and, yeah. and uh, Joe Robinson was on there talking about um, responses that, that people can have. And, you know, for some people, they, they don't live in proximity. They're, they're not engaged in proximity with people that aren't like them. Um, and so you, you can't, you can't recreate your environments, but you can choose and seek out to build relationship and to build trust so that then you can begin to have dialogue, true, um, dialogue and help understand different perspectives. Um, you know, we had Terrence Lester, who's on staff, who runs Love Beyond Walls, um, this Sunday and, and the way that he is processing this is, is much different than I am. And we've got to be in constant um, engagement so that we can understand the, what's behind that, right? What's driving it? Because I haven't experienced that. My kids mm-hmm. haven't experienced that. Um, mm-hmm. Will Gravely, who's a brother down here, uh, pastor of Refuge Church uh, in Austell. Um, mm-hmm. and, and Will's just a, a guy that I've built relationship with as, as we've served him and we're his sending church. Um, I've learned so much from him. He might've learned some, tactical practical stuff when it comes to church planning but just in processing and um understanding perspective right right? but and that happens over the breakfast table or over the lunch table um and so we you ask what has westridge done it's got to be a top down and a bottom-up approach Mm. right because if a leader if a leader's just mouthing it but not doing it then it's 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 not real right it becomes programming this is Mm -hmm. dna and so brian is is, brian is is 100 committed and um so from our hiring practices from leadership development you know as we talk about raising up and developing leaders and we need to be we need to be intentional on who we spend Mm -hmm. time with there Mm -hmm. um to even ensuring that as we 
um, is we take time. I mean, if, if it's encouraged that, and if I need to, I need to go spend some time with, with some of our African-American pastors that we're partnered with, right? Um, then I need, to, I, I need to alleviate what I'm doing so I can go and engage to, to immerse myself with that. Um, what I love, and even for our people, we've, as we talk about partners, you know, Riverbend Church is a partner of ours. Um, yeah. We're a 23-year-old church. We're not a church plan anymore. So we we invite all of our small groups to adopt a church partner, to adopt a Ray and Amy. Um, I'm sorry, Ray. A Ray, Amy, and Joseph. Um, <laughs> That's the, all right. Yeah. For the, for the purposes of prayer and encouragement. And yeah. so we do that so that they can also, and we give them um, the option of any of the partners that, that uh, we're engaged mm. with. And so we even, we're, what I love seeing is um, our church families that are coming along and adopting some of our African-American church partners so that they can learn while they encourage them. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I will say this cause I, um, I don't know who will hear that, but, but um, it, you know, leading a church, especially planning a church isn't the most dangerous job in the world, but it is the most hazardous job in the world. Mm-hmm. It's hazardous to you and your relationship with Amy and with Ray and your personal walk with the Lord. I mean, it can become overwhelming as you're trying to lead a church and especially lead a church in, in, in such, uh, I hate to use the word unprecedented because everybody uses that, but, but in times like this, right? Yeah. Um, and very few people would come up to you and, 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 and breathe life and breathe encouragement to you. Mm-hmm. Normally when they do, it's tied to a, to a butt, right? You know, that was a great message, but, <laughs> but you went a little long or you did this <laughs> and that. That's called coaching. Me? That's not encouragement. Me, 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 me go long. Never, never. That would not happen. <laughs> um, no, so, but I'm serious in the fact yeah. that, um, man, we need to be encouragers of each other. Yeah. And that allows you to help build relationship to go and have those tough conversations. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not coming asking for anything from these church leaders. I want to pour into them. I want to, I want to encourage them and build them up. And so through that, they get to see the heart of, of, our leadership of what Westridge looks like and, and myself personally, and it allow it opens the doors for us to be able to have some of those very sometimes tense, but healthy dialogues. Yeah. And uh, yeah. so I'm, I'm thankful for having the opportunity to get to do what I get to do. Um, well, and I, I think what you said, uh, and I, I don't want us to miss this because I think when we talk about racial reconciliation, re, racial reconciliation and justice, sorry, said that too fast. Uh, uh, in the midst of, of what we're seeing, the urgency starts to pick up. But there's going to be a time where we're not going to see a video. And I think that's the time where we have to dig in deeper. And that doesn't mean we shouldn't say something about George Floyd and we should be grieved. We should be lamenting. Yeah. We should be uh, moved towards um, understanding and asking good questions. But when when all that stuff is said and done, I think hearing that it's not going to be a quick fix in the sense of um, how we're going to be able to fully understand what to do. That only comes by being a student of the context and yeah. the people you're seeking to serve alongside of and to really take, um, like I've been in a group for like the last two and a half years and I've learned so much from African-American brothers. Like yeah. these are pastors in the Philadelphia area who, you know, half, half are African-American, half are, are Anglo. Uh, you got me, which I'm like 50% Anglo, 50% El Salvadorian. Uh, but, you know, I, I have more of an Anglo perspective and background of yeah. understanding. And, and I've learned so much from them. 
Um, and and that doesn't mean when I when I say that it takes time to build those type of relationships, I think that's true. But I also think it will help us to make sure we're not just solving something we perceive versus yeah. something that isn't. You know, when we were talking the other day, I, um, you used a word that I think probably embodies this as much. Um, when we talk about developing leaders, we don't yeah. need to lead. Mac Lake, our friend, says you don't need a, a leadership development program. You need to develop a culture of leadership development, right? Right. right? So it's got to be it's got to be your DNA that we're raising up leaders everywhere. Um, we're looking in kindergarten and elementary for our next church planners. Um, mm. I would argue that the same holds true for intentionality of mm-hmm. understanding and bridging the gap and, and having um, responses to racial reconciliation. It's yeah, got to be a culture true. of that, right? If that, if that doesn't flow from the heart of the leader, it now just becomes programming. Mm-hmm. So, and so that's the leader of the church or the organization, but also the leader of the home. Right. right. And and so um and, and and the the challenge I think for you and I especially is I'm learning this later on in my life, right? You know, I did I'm not a twenty year old picking this this up. I was, you know, probably more in my thirties when, when I really started having those intentional conversations. Um but Terrence Lester says makes a comment that it's it's hard to hate somebody that you get to that you know. Right. You can put a, you can put a, people put an image on the screen and they can develop a bias towards it. But when you get mm. to know people, when you, when you sit down um, and, and you can't do that with everybody, but they, rep, it helps you understand. Um, yeah. So for, for me, um, I'm trying to process through, I mean, and I was almost, uh, when you talked about coming on and then obviously everything that's developed, I'm like, Oh my gosh, I don't, you know, I don't think two white guys need to have this conversation <laughs> on, on, on there. And, and so I say that from, from a spirit of humility that, man, there's a lot of things that I need to know. And I'm trying to process everything that's on the news and everything yeah. you see like on social media and, and it's all spinning to a degree. Um, and I've actually had to turn that off. Yeah. And, and so I, I may be more ignorant on some of the things that are happening today because I'd rather have a dialogue with somebody rather than listen to a talking head tell me something. Right. I've heard, I've understand. heard it. Yeah. 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 No, I, I've heard it said that uh, the news really should be called views. Uh, Miles McPherson said that, <laughs> that uh, uh, you know, he calls it the third option. It would really yeah. thinking through uh, because really news has become our views, like the views of those who are, you know, communicating it. And I, and I think you're right though about the relationship and the conversation because it allows for true empathy and understanding. And I, and I do think one of the things I'm learning through this is the importance of speaking um, and sharing what God's showing you and repenting where needs, where repentance needs to be uh, done um, and not, not waiting for somebody else um, to pick up the baton, so to speak. I think, one of the dangers that can take place in this context and what's going on here is that um, a lot of times, you know, we can be somebody that's, you know, really, um, you know, waiting for our African-American brothers to, to be the voice on it. And they're waiting for others to pick it up. And they're like, Hey, 
like we got to share in it together and yeah, we, it's kind of that we, delayed obedience is disobedience right right and and i think that they're waiting for us to do that and i agreed with what you said too like i think sometimes the awkwardness oh i don't know enough so i can't say anything no well i would i would rather try and and fail right like we we could say this to any leader about any subject yeah. and have to learn and say wait a minute like that the way i approach that or i need to Hey, hey, brother, like you said that a little, like I have brothers in my life that will correct me on those things. Yeah. And then also learning how to, I think, you know, broaden our learnings and getting others like to come in and to speak and to communicate. Um, I love what you said about the top down uh, approach and the, the bottom up approach. Yeah, bottom up. Because I think that what, what can, you know, happen is you can either do one of those one of those um but then you kind of miss really what can happen when both of those are practiced yeah and so and I, even, right there yeah and like so i'm learning even that in my own life it's like through this is okay like i've been doing a lot of reading a lot of listening a lot of relationship building um i did a message like i totally changed my message saturday last week i, I felt the lord was like you got to change it everything yeah. you know i was going to talk about george floyd but I feel like the Lord was like, no, you got to like, you got to explicitly go there in deeper mm -hmm. ways um, and dig in. And then, you know, you and, used the word lament um, yeah. earlier. And uh, that's actually how we opened up our service on Sunday with a right. lamentation. Yeah. yeah. It was, it was, it was a, just a conversation, a dialogue on, on that. Well, and I think we need more of that because I think without doing that, we're just going to always, like, why do we keep talking about this? That's what people say. What? Like we're just, yeah. we're just starting to scratch the surface of understanding and then grieving it. And then that's when we can appropriately um, offer true healing, right? Like Jeremiah 8 yeah. says, um, they, they healed their wounds, but half-heartedly yeah. or, 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 or in a way that did not bring about true healing because we did not address what was really going on there. So I, I've, I'm learning a lot through it too. And I think there's so much value in us even just talking about it and yeah. listening and, to one another and listening to others as well. And even though you've come, you know, you're where you are on the journey and I'm where I am, right? They're different places. Um, and once that revelation and that light bulb moment goes off, I think that the challenge that as leaders sometimes is we expect everybody else to catch up as quick as we did. Right. And this is not a analysis paralysis or license for people just to sit where they are. Um, I, and I'll use the, I'll use the, uh, uh, that the Dr. Evans book, you, you know, as Brian, as we walk through this with our staff, realizing as elders and leaders, we were far further ahead than, than our staff were going through this book and going through the processing of it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you, you know, he was so far out ahead. Some of the caution was, okay, we got to, we got to allow people to catch up. Yeah. They're not allowed to stay where they are, but we got to give them time to catch up. Mm -hmm. Right. So, so, uh, you know, in that context, if somebody were to say, Hey, I'm just not into this whole racial reconciliation thing. Mm -hmm. Well, then this isn't probably the place for you to work. <laughs> no, well, no, no, clearly this isn't the place for you. To work. But, right. but, but if somebody's saying, listen, man, I'm struggling with, right. And I'm, I'm trying to, yeah this is how I grew up and this is what I've been exposed to right here's right, my story right. and I'm working through that yeah now you're helping them they're moving forward in a biblical fashion on that yeah. um but staying where you're at on this is not an option 
That's right. And I think that's the thing is like, understand it's going to be a slow uh, process. And again, slow, not stubborn process. Yeah. I think if you're stubborn, we know what the Bible talks about that. They give stronger yeah. books about stubbornness. They call it the, it's the equivalent of foolishness. Yep. Be a fool is to be stubborn. I'm unwilling to listen and change and grow. No, that is not an option for a follower of Jesus. Yep. But for us to be enlightened and awakened, you know, there's so much, you know, that we don't know. And so we're, we're learning. And so I think you're, that's a, a really wise caution to say, hey, let's, let's be patient in the process while also calling out what we need to call out. Hey, this is evil, wicked, sinful, yeah, absolutely. satanic, yeah. you know. When it's I, overt, I and, 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 absolutely. Right, right. And just really saying, hey, this is, this is what's going on um, and, and what we're seeing right now. So as we think about all of that, the other part that I really wanted to speak to you about and you just speak into is just this leadership development. Because, mm. Kevin, I think you're, you're gifted in so many ways, but one of those areas is the area of leadership development and really even helping us to work through that and what you're looking for in church planners. And the reason I want to kind of put those two together is because even if you're not a church planner or you're not working with church planners, I think across the board within the church and outside the church, this idea of leadership development is so needed. Often it's been said, you know, I got to find the leader. And really that's the wrong statement. It should no leaders are found they're developed yeah they're developed and that comes through a a process that you work so can you just speak sure can you share this a little bit about that yeah you you cut out there for a little bit so but um i i had indicated earlier and you know mac first of all if you're looking to develop leaders there's some great resources there's thousands of great resources but there's one of the best free resources is mac lakes mac lake online his youtube channel um he Mm. does some great little 10 minute videos that every any staff leader could use to help develop their teams um Mm. but you talk about um we don't have a leadership development problem we have a leadership culture problem right Mm. so as as staff um, we've, we have always had, um, just a culture of developing leaders. So nobody, nobody owns anything. And so it lives in every area of our staff. You know, you've got the leadership pipeline funnel of a team member and a team leader and a coach and a head coach. And then you're up to a department head type of thing. Everybody in, along that chain is, is tasked with and responsible for developing, identifying and developing talent. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that works. And first of all, it's what we measure Um, as we talk about in staff meetings and team meetings. It's who are we developing? Who's in your pool? Who's in your pipeline? Right. And what are you Mm -hmm. doing to help them develop? Right. And it may not just be a resource piece, maybe opportunities. Right. So a scheduled absence. So now I'm going to have Joseph go in and take over. Right. And we always talk about what's this talent being developed uh, down there. when we hire people, we don't look to, we don't hire doers. We have to hire developers. The church cannot mm-hmm. afford to be hiring doers. Um, and now there's some departments when it comes to, you know, finance, right? You're not going to invite everybody in to, to do the books, but, but um, 90%, 95% of the roles out there. Um, it's also part of our performance measurement, right? As, mm-hmm. From a staff member perspective, 
if you're not actively and effectively developing folks, you're not actively or effectively doing a good portion of your job. Um, mm. So how do we bring a team in? Um, and we're, we're talking about the pipeline all, all the time and what that looks like in the leadership funnel. And so that's been the groundswell um, that's, that's caused that to happen. Um, you look at our, normally we do a summer surge camp here that we'll have 11, 1200 kids at. Well, that's mm. about 800 to 900 volunteers um, mm. to pull that off. So if you, and you got to have the infrastructure of coaches and head coaches on there. Um, but those are great short-term serving opportunities for people to get plugged into and then watch how they, watch how they um, operate and then shoulder tap them for serving more long-term, for being part of that more long-term. Mm. And so that's, and then from there, um, we do a, we do an internship pro- program. So some of the young talent, um, college age and high school age students, um, over the summertime, we'll bring them in that have um, expressed a willingness and have mm. the aptitude um, to serve in ministry. We'll bring them in. In fact, uh, just last week we moved a young guy that was part of our part of our team. He was a, a we we don't call them volunteers. We call them team members. But he was part of our team member. Um, went away to college, went to DTS down in, in Dallas, um, mm. came back, and he just moved into our internship house. Uh, he'll be serving a two-year internship to plant church, to be a church planter here in Atlanta. Um, oh, that's awesome. So, but this was a kid that six, seven, eight years ago, um, you know, he was actually living with one of our staff members um, mm. just because of, of, you know, the environment that he was in, right? Most people mm-hmm. have written him off. Um, but mm-hmm. it's, 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 it goes back to investment. The conversation on leadership development is no different than the conversation on racial reconciliation mm-hmm. or if we've, you've got to be intentional and you've got to be invested in it. Mm-hmm. And so, um, it's by developing people in our church, we'll see church planters come out of that, you know, yeah. from there, it also, we talk about it. That's what we celebrate. Um, and mm-hmm. it, it, it's kind of that marketing of, of drip, splash, and pour, right? Well, Brian mm-hmm. will tell stories or Paul will tell stories on Sunday morning about somebody that's, that's serving in an area or talking about church planning. And so our people are getting to hear about church planning from the top down, from a Sunday morning perspective. They're, inviting, they're being invited as their small group to adopt a church partner and walk a mile in their shoes, so to speak. And so they're, they're seeing that happen. Um, we have, whenever Brian takes sabbatical, we have church partners come in and speak on those Sundays so that they get exposed to the Detroit, Boston, and Atlanta, the three areas that were actively involved in church planning. They get exposed to the church planners that are in those areas. Um, mm. And so they get a chance now to, to have an affinity with them. We invite small groups to go and serve there, to go take a vacation there. Um, mm. June... June 14th, one of the churches in Alabama, their church burned down. Um, They're moving into the building on the 14th. And the small group that from here from Westridge that adopted them went and painted the, the several of the rooms there. It's about a two, two and a half hour drive. Um, so they, they do life with those folks right there. Um, That's awesome, man. Well, I wanted to ask you, so as you think about developing a leadership culture, um, and you think about, I love how you said that it's intentional, it's investment. And I, I fully agree with that. That's been my own journey. I'm here today because people did that to me. Yeah. The me. Russ butchers of this world, you know, right. Like we were talking about that a couple weeks ago. 
Yeah, there's all kinds of of people who have just done that for me. And then I think the the response to that is you want to we want to join Jesus in doing that as well for others, be intentional in investing. Mm-hmm. But then there's this systematic approach and a lot of times people hear systems and they 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 do one or two things. They say, "Wait a minute, we don't need systems at all. Like it's all about organic." You know, yes, 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 organic. And then the other side of that is Dude, no, it's all about systems. People, 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 you know, <laughs> and, and both of those uh, put, put them against each other when really they're meant to work together, yeah. people yeah. and systems. And yeah. people um, are, are the, as the business we're in, uh, systems allow us to effectively walk with people and are not managed per se. Um, the, let me phrase that. A person is not a system, uh, yeah. but rather gives us the resource. So as we think about those two things, you guys have done a great job of managing that tension. Yeah. And think um, of those as, as kind of two pedals on the bike, right? That's you know, right. You've got the people side, you've got the system side. Um, and so we, we actually took all of our, we took our staff through uh, Mac Lake's leadership pipeline um, hmm. years ago. And, and uh, that was catalytic in how we are today. And, um, and the re- several of the reasons for that are, it's it started created common language because churches are inherent for man if you serve in kids ministry you have your own vernacular and your own acronyms and your own versus over here in this in this small groups ministry it's totally different right so now if i want to move from here to here i can't cross pollinate very easy i gotta learn a whole new methodology right there so having consistent language having mapping out your your um your leadership structure in each of those areas so that it's very clear. Most people, most churches don't develop for what they need, they develop for what they have, mm-hmm. right? So they're not planning on the growth, they're not building the pipeline, they're not building a bench uh, strength um, so that as growth happens, they can effectively um, engage people that way and help disciple them. So language is big, um, b- planning for the future and building the systems in place so that um, when we need when we go to a third service or a fourth service, right? I've got, I've got twice the amount of people serving right now so that I can now have them move over to that other area. Nobody's thinking through that or few people are thinking through that. Um, and then, uh, you know, this, it's really discipleship and leadership development are those, are those two parallels right there. Yeah. It's giving them an easy opportunity to serve. I talked about some of our summer programs, right? Yeah. So where they jump out and jump off and then how do we cultivate those relationships. You got to make mm. that experience great. Um, but then we, we invite them in to serve in the areas of their giftedness um, and their passions. And then all of those, um, it's a, it, that, that honestly, that leadership's pipeline structure is what allowed us to maneuver so quickly through COVID-19 because mm. we don't have to go call and engage everybody in the church. All we have to do is call people in our group. And then they're going to call the people in their group, right? As you move up and down that leadership structure right there. Um, and so we really leadership pipeline has been the, the backbone that's helped us work through that. Now, I'll be honest with you. It, it was hard at first and it takes yeah. a lot of effort because you're mm-hmm. trying to take all these organic structures out there yeah. and bring them to a commonality. And, mm-hmm. and the one thing to think about is um, when you look at training, as you take somebody that's a that's on the team, right? That's that's volunteering in the parking team or volunteering in in uh, guest services. As a team member, most of that 
that the system is specific to that area of service. As you move up the leadership pipeline to become a team leader, there, there's, um, there are certain characteristics that you want to demonstrate as a team leader that you don't need to demonstrate as a team member. Would you agree with mm-hmm. that? Yes, okay. I would agree with that. Or, or a coach or a head coach or a director. So as you move up that ladder, um, the training is more common versus it's more specific down to the entry level right to the mm-hmm. beginning level. So by identifying those, and we've had, we've, we've had to look at what's our culture, um, what's our context look like, and so develop that, that training and that, that equipping material um, at each of those areas so that as it moves up, though, it becomes more generic because leadership development's leadership development mm. across all those, right? And, and you've already learned some of the specifics because you've been part of that. Um, but the last part of that, you, you know, as you said, it's people and systems. People buy from people, right? You know, you and I have a friendship. Right. right. Um, and so if the shepherding and soul care isn't part of that, then all I'm doing is being used by, you know, by the church to come in and volunteer, right? Mm-hmm. They're passionate mm-hmm. about that. And so Larry Osborne says people leave a church, but they won't leave friends. Um, and so just just like I Steph and I coach um, some high school leaders on on uh, Wednesday nights and so I sent a, a note out to my guys just checking in on them and you know one of them asking is there any specific prayer requests and and there's a guy older than me that I'm coaching right that um, he's normally never responds but he responded with a pretty heavy thing today and he just he knew that he's not they're not forgotten summertime's here like high school's not meeting um, but it's, it goes back to, are you being, we've got a responsibility mm-hmm. as we develop people, not just to equip them, but to shepherd them. Yeah. And so if we, if we forget that part of the matrix, we've missed a big piece of it. So good, man. Mm. Cause I do think that that is the, the point. Like when you are, um, I love the resources you even said about Mac Lake um, and even, you know, when you read through like empowering leadership and know what you're for these books, they, they really talk about being raving fans of the people because oh, yeah. as you, if you, as you're raving fans of the people, they'll become raving fans of what it is you're inviting them into, you know, and what you're trying to accomplish yeah. because they know it's not a, it's, it's really not a used usury kind of relationship. It's saying, Hey, no, we're in it together. We're a team. Yeah, it's a symbiotic. Yep. Uh, you know, it's been said by most of the funeral homes here in, in the area that that nobody does a funeral better than Westridge. Wow. And and the reason for that is because we come in and we take over. Or they, you know, when it's in our building, the funeral home doesn't have to do anything. We care for, we love on, we do all that kind of stuff. Well that the team that does that are primarily our guest services team on Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. And the reason they'll show up during the week, you know, at a moment's notice is because they're valued and engaged with. Hmm. Yes, they've been equipped. Yes, they've been discipled. But we try to create an environment where, through that leadership structure, where the leader is investing in those that are on their team, right? And not just equipping them, but loving on them, supporting them. We're doing some fun things even, building relationships with them. Um, So we love to see, we're seeing teams responding to needs in our community um, that, that aren't necessarily geographically based, but they're relationally based. Yeah. So it's so good. And I, I, 
Yeah. Go, go ahead, Kevin. I'm sorry. No, no, no. I'm saying you, you, you can't build that. No, you can't build that, that um, funeral team just overnight. That's, that's, those are folks that have journeyed life together and that are leaning in together. Um, and so that, that, that comes through investing relationally, not just um, from an equipping perspective. Yeah, and I think that that is really what's important to hear too is I think so many times the it's again this or that and really it should be shepherding soul care and equipping and discipling right so mm-hmm. if you if you go on either side of it you miss a big part of uh, the equation and I think um, the danger is the, depending on who you listen to <laughs> they're going to be emphasizing one of those two areas uh, over the other yeah. and really again they should it's like uh, the two pe- i love that pedals on the bike you know they mm-hmm. they work together and, and if we're not careful um people will feel used or they'll feel out of out of out of um their ability or uh, capabilities because we haven't trained them and equipped them properly and so yeah. we want to yeah there, there's a point where you got to be uncomfortable but uncomfortable for the sake of something we didn't walk them through that we could have walked yeah, them through and should have walked them. That's not good leadership. That, that's setting exactly. That's setting but, them but, up for failure. Yeah. But, but here's how you would know if you, um, if I've got 10 folks that I'm leading, right. All of them are going to respond differently. Yeah. As you, as you reach out to them, you know, half of them are going to say, Oh, thanks Joe for calling. And you know, Two of them are going to say, listen, I'm fine. You don't need to send me anything, right? I get plenty of emails all day long. Just let me go. And, and I'll let you know if I need you. Okay, that's great. Um, but then as you're touching base with people, if you're having um, dialogue with them, whichever medium they were, you know, if it's text or email or phone call, um, depending on their context, but you should know that if they're, being, if they're ill-equipped, it's almost like an employee. If they're surprised because they're getting fired, you've not done a good job mm-hmm. as a leader to help performance manage them through what they've been doing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so the same thing with our people, uh, just t- talking with them and, and asking, hey, how's things working, right? Be- shepherd it, or apprenticing with them um, yeah. or shadowing them, I mean, um, seeing how are they able to do that and how do you help provide coaching? Um, I, I mm-hmm. think the, um, the shadowing is probably a lost art. And that's one of the things that we do a lot of um, mm-hmm. every uh, in our, for example, in our high school, middle school, um, and even in our elementary, every small group leader. So adult with kids, um, there's a coach over them. And that coach rotates through out the course of the, of the year. And like I had uh, eight uh, small group leaders. So that would be four groups. Um, so every other week or every once a, once a month, I was with each one of those groups mm-hmm. watching them. So I, I built a relationship with the kids, but afterwards we talk about what do you think you did well, right? What do you think you could improved on, right? What or it also showed us, hey man, this environment's bad, right? We need to put some partitions in here because it's chaos. So that's now that they're they're responding to the fact that here's a guy, here's their coach that's listened to them and provided a solution for them. So kind of I had your back, so to speak, right? Mm, um, so good. Mm. It's proximity. If you're not doing that then you're just an org chart being managed from above. Mm, mm, mm. Well, and I think that that's what's missed too, is like the shadow side of it and shadowing and the apprenticeship side of it too. Like mm-hmm. Apprenticeship across the culture, not just in the church world has been a lost art. And 
a lot of times we want to, you know, get people to where we want them to be uh, back to our racial reconciliation conversation without doing the work of walking with them. Yeah. And in yeah, the I'm shadowing, not... it, yeah. What are you going to say? Oh, go ahead. Uh, I mean, I grew up in the trades and doing, you know, construction. Yeah. And I have my son and my son-in-law and my daughter's boyfriend. I'll invite them when I'm doing projects, which for Stephanie is all the time. Um, and just so <laughs> that they can, so they can experience it, right? They know yeah. how to use you know, all the different power tools, right? And, and shortcuts and fasting, all that type of stuff. Not that I know it all, but I've, I've been around for a while. Yeah. Um, and you don't want them to have to call somebody every time they need something done. That's mm-hmm. discipleship, right? In, in, a, in a very rudimentary phase. Um, and we, many churches don't do a good job of helping expose things to people. I, I, I know that whole, you know, there's that leadership development of, you know, I do, you watch, we talk, right? I do, you help, we talk. And then you reverse it to yeah, where yeah. you do, I help, we talk. And you do, I watch, we talk. I mean, that's leadership development 101 right there. If right. you just do those four things and then add the fifth, which is reproduce it, right? Do it again, do it again, do it again. That, that's, that's leadership development for dummies. Um, and then you layer onto that, the relationship piece. It's not complex, but it is intentional and it takes time. Oh, it's so good, man. And I, I do think it's important for us all to just take inventory about who are we shadowing and apprenticing mm. like um and then to those four steps that he laid out how, how are we doing that and then are, are we adding that last step is it are you reproducing this and if they're like i don't know how to reproduce it well that means we didn't do something right so let's do it all over again that's okay yeah. because the the goal is re, re, uh, reproducing that will eventually lead to multiplication because we want to see multiplication movements take up take place and yeah. And again, no matter what you do, whether you're in the church world, whether you're in the corporate world, whether you are in the, the restaurant industry, whether you're this is thinking about your home, these principles apply across the board because leadership mm-hmm. is leadership and the development of leaders is so important. And, and just to be very clear, like Jesus made it, made it very uh, specific about what leadership is, and it's just the ability to serve. <laughs> doesn't mean that we're all going to be at the same level of leadership, but we all can serve. And if we can all serve um, and we're willing to serve, then we can really follow in his footsteps of being a leader. And, and, he, and he sent him out and he brought him back and we talked about it, right? Yeah. Sent yep. him out, brought him back and talked about it. Um, and that's really, uh, I think that's the last part of that. And this again, not, not a program, but a culture. Hmm. You, people have to know that it's okay to fail. Yeah. Sorry. Um, and, and I, we opened with my story, and maybe we'll close with, with a story. Um, yeah. Gosh, it was uh, probably in 2003, 2004, um, I was volunteering, serving in our kids' ministry, my wife and I. And um, this, we did a VBS, and it was a crazy week because I actually had to be in Chicago three times that week. So Oof. every morning I'd get up and catch a flight to Chicago. I came back and flew, you know, drove here to the church. And just in time for VBS, right? And so I, I had one of my daughters was in second grade, so I had second grade girls that year. Um, and when I got there, I'd just flown in, got to the church. Um, it was hot as blazes, and I was asking what the activity was. And 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 Paul Richardson, who's our so our uh, um, leadership development pastor here, um, anyhow, pastor of ministries. He, he had written the, the curriculum and he didn't have a game for, for us. There was a table 
there was a table with a jug of water and some cups. And I honestly, I've told him the story many times. I said, I was frustrated, right? Because I'm like, I'm thinking, I just flew all day, right? Was in meetings, right? Came back here on two wheels. And now you're not prepared for us. Mm-hmm. And so made a game out of it. I, I don't remember what I did, but, but the kids had a blast with it. But looking back on there, that was intentionality where he wasn't, he, he gave a couple tools and he's looking to say, which leaders complain and which leaders, you know, make lemonade out of, out of being given lemons. Right. Mm. And so that's an, that's an, that's an example of kind of intentional leadership development to see who's the person that you can, you can bring up to that next level. Right. When they're presented with a challenge and I'm not saying that to, 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 you know, build myself up. I'm saying it because my attitude at that time was not very good. <laughs> now, my response—he would have never known it, right? He literally, he would have never, never um, seen that. But the way that I was processing that, and then looking back in, over my leadership journey, has been—and that was whether he planned it or not—that was an example where you can sit and watch and say, "Who's that next level leader?" Um, so good, man. That, and I, I just really appreciate you even walking us through that process. So, Kevin, if, if people want to connect with you, how can they do that? Uh, tell us a little bit about ways in which they can learn about Westridge, yeah, yeah. Engage we, Churches, all those yeah, things. Yeah, Engage Churches is, uh, is a nonprofit that we um, – uh, our goal is to engage, equip, and encourage leaders. Mm-hmm. Um, that's our mission. Um, we're also about reproduction. And so uh, we really are, are – right before pre-COVID-19, we were we – were, starting our first meeting of, of here in Atlanta, but, but think of um, church planning is hard. Planning a church by a single church is even harder, right? <laughs> and so what would it look like is you're in relationship with guys in Lehigh Valley, you and I talk about this and, and others, uh, leaders coming around together in relationship um, and committing to meeting monthly about on relationship. Um, we'll commit to reproducing. So how do we help hold each other accountable and reproducing leaders in our own churches. Um, talk about residency as, as we get a, re, as we get a church planner, um, help residents amongst those. And so we have some tools to help you on that and then um, resourcing. So what yeah. if the five or six churches there help plan a church together rather than one church doing it all by themselves. Right. And so um, we're rolling that out in Atlanta, working up in Boston and in Detroit and our goal is to roll it around the country. Um, and it just makes sense. And so um, they can easily get a hold of me just here at Westridge, Kevin D at westridge.com or go on our website under staff and you can click it there. But um, we are about helping the church multiply and to be healthy. And so anything that I can do, maybe it's brokering some relationships with other people. Um, I've got a call this afternoon with a guy that says, hey, I just want to, I want to know how we can be more effective in that. And so our goal is to come alongside and help them. I tell my kind of joke and tagline is I'm paid by the church and I don't do anything for the church um, <laughs> here. I serve my, my job 24 seven is serving churches outside the walls of this building. So that's, I'm blessed to be able to do that. And because uh, it allows me to hang out with guys like you and, and, and others um, around the country. So it's, well, it's, been, uh, it's been great connecting. Yeah, man. Well, you're really good at it too. So you're really good at your job, man. And you're a gift to us. That. And you're a real blessing uh, to us. So, Kevin, thanks for being on the podcast today. We are so Man, thankful for, for all that you do for so many. And make sure you, you uh, connect with Kevin. 
um, again, I would encourage you to consider even what he said about some of the resources. Just want to remind you, you talked about the Tony Evans book. What was it called again? Just one. Oneness Embraced. Oneness, Oneness embraced. embraced. And then Mac Lake's YouTube channel and then yeah. Engaged Churches as well. What are you going to say about that, Kevin, about no, Mac Lake? You, you got it. You got it. I got it. Okay, cool. All right. Well, thanks again for joining us, Kevin. It was awesome to have you here, man. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for the Vision for the Valley podcast. We'd love to connect with you and to hear from you. You can find us on social media at Vision for the Valley podcast, or you can email us at Vision for the Valley podcast at gmail.com. 